Well, hello. I'm so blessed today as I come to you, men and women of God, Pastor Max and your lovely wife, Zena. I am so excited about this conference, Heaven on Earth. And then to think that God gave you the direction of the word being made flesh. flesh. This is right now what the body of Christ must have in our mindset right now. Boy, do I, I have a word for you today. I want you guys to get ready to buckle your seatbelt. I mean, when you look at the lineup of ministers that you have, how honored and privileged I am. Thank you so much for believing in me and allowing me to be a part of this Heaven on Earth Conference. So let's get ready to just dive right into the Word of God. I'm ready. I want you guys to do this. I want to make a, prophet, a prophetic declaration. I want to make a prophetic declaration coming out of the gate. We're letting the enemy know coming out of the gate that your days and season, the assignment that the enemy has been launching against your life, your family, your finances, your health, your future, your career, your business, his days are over right at the very time capsule of this conference, we've entered into another realm, another year, 5280 is gone, the year of pay is gone. According to God's calendar, not the Jewish calendar, God's calendar, we're already in a new year. So for some of you that are waiting for December the 31st to celebrate a new year's service for the new year to come in, you're operating already substandard. According to God, we've already crest over into the new year. So you that are watching now, you need to begin to rejoice right now that you have the privilege right now of leaving everything that this 2020 year, according to the Greco calendar, everything that it, that it represented from, from the coronavirus to all this crazy stuff, the economic instability, I decree in your life is over somebody need to release those words into the atmosphere i've been given the assignment today to begin to speak to those that are in leadership to pastors and to emerging leaders i'm here to tell you that the time that we're living in right now we can no longer equip leadership we can no longer equip emerging leadership our sons our daughters our the people that we're mentoring the people that are emerging leaders young pastors, young ministers, and even seasoned pastors. I want to say to seasoned pastors, be very careful about who you put in leadership and the way you train and the way you equip them. I'm going to go even further to pronounce another declaration of warning. Be careful with who you allow in your inner circle. Sometimes we assume that people are emotionally mature, spiritually mature, just because they've been walking with us. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they agree? This is the kind of leadership that we're having to literally equip in this hour because times have shifted. For those of you that don't realize, I want you to just release that in the atmosphere so that you can let your human spirit wake up as a type of a shofar and say an awakening to your human spirit, things have shifted. I can't hear you. Release it in the atmosphere. Say it so your human spirit can know things have shifted. And because things have shifted, the Bible says that all of creation 
even the nations and this generation. The creation is not waiting on God. The creation is waiting on the sons of God. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this place right now, and I trust that it's transmitting all the way through to this broadcast directly to you in South Africa. I may be coming to you from sunny California, but I decree that the anointing of God, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that rests upon my life, the double-portion grace that rests upon my life, it is finding its way into South Africa and every other nation that is watching and any other time of the year that this is being played. So right now, as we talk about training leadership, we cannot train the kind of leadership in the way that we once trained leadership previously before. Number one, we want to come out of the gate talking about what type of leadership do we need? We need discerning leadership. It cannot be that a person is put in this position because they're the pastor's son or daughter, or they're put in this position because somebody in the church pays the biggest tithes, or they've been even put in this position because they have degrees. The type of uh, wisdom and knowledge and revelation and what is needed is solution-driven leadership. I know I'm coming out of the gate with a lot. Discerning leadership, solution-driven leadership. Discerning leadership, solution-driven leadership. Dr. Martin Luther King talked about discerning leadership. When we talk about discerning leadership, I'm going to parallel these two. Discerning leadership and also solution-driven leadership. Not just because you have a decree, not just because you have a title, not just because you have a pedigree, not just because of what clan you came out of, not just because of your age, not just because of your gender, not just because of your ethnicity, but what do you carry? Are you willing to grow up? And then we're going to have to place a higher level of accountability and a higher demand on the emerging, the ones that we're passing the baton to, those that are shadowing our life. We got to place a higher level of responsibility out of them. Let's just talk about the discerning leadership as Martin Luther King referred to it as discerning leadership. When I think of discerning leadership, I think of none other than that of Nathan in the Bible. Here is the prophetic leadership of Nathan. Nathan comes and speaks truth to power to the king. So look at the kind of discerning leadership as we talk about manifesting heaven on earth. We've got to manifest the wisdom and the counsel of God here on earth. Can I just say this right now? We just had our presidential debate on last night in America. So when you look at the way these two men that are postured as the potential leaders, candidates for a superpower nation like America, and these two men are like two little kids going back and forth, not a debate, but an argument, like two little kids in a sandbox. And I'm saying to myself, don't you realize that your leadership, this is what I tell my team all the time, your leadership is on display. Those of you that are listening under the sound of my voice, be you a pastor or an emerging leader, your leadership is on display. And it's on display at all times. Someone is always watching you. Someone is watching the way you handle pressure. Someone is watching the way you handle your emotions. Someone is watching the way your character is. Someone is watching the way you handle temperance and self-control. Someone is watching the way you handle anger. Someone is watching the way in the midst of what they call a pandemic and crisis. How do you handle? Because that's where true leadership 
is displayed in the midst of pandemic and crisis. So as we talk about discerning leadership, and I think about Nathan, who is a prophet who's speaking truth to power. Here David is in leadership, and his leadership is on display. And David has seemed to have forgotten the God that was with him, with the lion and the bear. He seems to, for a moment, to allow the character development part of his life where he didn't have self-control. He didn't have temperance in this particular area of his flesh. And here he is now lusting after Uriah's wife. I need you to stay with me. I got so much to put in 45 minutes. God help me today. So now Nathan, God is speaking directly to Nathan and showing Nathan what's going on in David's bedchamber. Nathan the prophet is able to discern leadership and see that Nathan see that David, excuse me, has taken Uriah's wife. So then Nathan, who's operating in discerning leadership, he's not afraid to confront. He's not afraid to treat, to speak truth to power. So he now confronts the leadership of David and David now is faced to face Psalm 51, which we get the classic scripture, Psalm 51, that all of us at some point in our life has had to run to Psalm 51. Against thee and thee alone have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Lord, he literally began to cry out to God, Father, forgive me. That's how we get Psalm 51, because Nathan, under discerning leadership, confronted David. So we see also with discerning leadership, God now begins to deal with uh, over and over again. He's allowing his prophets to speak truth to power. We see Moses here in a type of not only discerning leadership, but transitional leadership. We see where Moses now is being called in a prophetic leadership position to literally speak truth to power to Pharaoh. I want you to pay attention to what God does in these emerging leaders and how he's equipping them. He equips David by allowing him to be a shepherd boy, to fight and tend for the flock of the sheep. In other words, care for people. He allows him to learn warfare for the people as leadership, his way and MO of training him, as he has to fight off the lion and the bear to not only feed the sheep and guide the sheep, provide for the sheep, but to protect the sheep. All of these attributes he's using, equipping him, equipping him. How are we equipping this emerging leadership? What type of uh, uh, requirement do we have? We can't equip them for the times when we were in their position. We must equip them for the times that are ahead. So David, watch this. God was equipping David as a young shepherd boy to rule and reign and lead for the times that were ahead. God in the life of Moses, as he began to deal with Moses in Pharaoh's house as a young boy, he was equipping him by learning the, the infrastructures of the government, the governance of Egypt, the protocol of Egypt, the culture of Egypt, the infrastructure and the mindset of Egypt, the paradigm of their mindset. He, their mindset. he was allowing him as a young boy to grow up and groom in that and to be equipped in that and to be trained in that so that he can in the future come up against the superpower that he already had an understanding of the inward workings of the principality that he was dealing with at that time. That's one of the reasons why Moses said to God, 
Who shall I say has sent me? He knew that the protocol of the way Pharaoh operated is that he had ranking demonic principalities. He had seen warfare. He had seen the supernatural workers and he knew that they operate according to protocol. That's why Moses says, who shall I say who has sent me? He understand I can't come in my own name. Moses even said, unless your presence goes with me, I cannot go. So he understood ranking and protocol. Why? Because he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Isn't it amazing how we are today not even raising up the kind of leadership that understands protocol, that understands etiquette, that understands manners, that understands honor, that understands ranking. We're just allowing people to be put in leadership. We're allowing Allowing our young uh, emerging leaders to not understand that you're going to be operating on a diplomatic order, that you're going to have to be operating in discerning leadership, that you're going to have to be operating in solution-driven leadership because of the times that you're going to be leading in. They're going to be leading in times and facing things that perhaps some of us have never faced and may never face should Jesus tarry. So not only with Moses and not only do we see in the life of David how God is equipping them, but in this discerning leadership, Moses begins to discern what God wants to do in the house of Pharaoh. Moses begins to discern that as he sees this Egyptian that's slaying a Hebrew, something on the inside of Moses begins to get stirred. His leadership now is being invoked, evoked. It is now being placed a demand. And now God is soliciting on the inside of him that which he called him for. So he's gonna draw him out, which his name meant to be drawn out as a deliverer and send him back into the face of Pharaoh to deliver the children of Israel out. And so now as he's facing Pharaoh and the principality, you see over and over again, he's dealing with these different ranking principalities, the flies, the, the river Nile, the locusts, all these different things that, that, that he begins to see the manifestation of these principalities that are working. And then even to the point when there's a face-to-face -face encounter with discerning leadership with Pharaoh, Pharaoh's boys come out. You see the same thing happening with David. And so Moses has his rod and Moses now has to have the type of leadership on display that can manifest and demonstrate. Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Moses throws down his rod. Then Pharaoh calls for his soothsayers. He calls for his magicians. He calls for the power on his side and they throw down their rod. But what's the difference in the discerning leadership that Moses is walking in? Here, Moses' rod consumes their rod. The snake consumes their snake, showing Pharaoh, manifesting to Pharaoh, I'm operating under the name of a superpower. Moses begins to discern in the house of Pharaoh that God is getting ready to do a shift. Somebody say the word shift. There's going to be an economic shift. There's going to be a leadership shift. And God has raised Moses to discern that on the backside of the mountain when he was spending time alone with God and said, unless your presence go with me. And then next thing you see, God is allowing history to be unfold that we look back on today. There's the great Exodus. God now raises Moses up to where Pharaoh sees that this God, the most high God, Pharaoh, you're not God. He is the most high God. Moses discerned that God was a about to do something in a leadership shift. 
This is exactly what's happening with us today. So God not only moves in the life of Moses, God not only moves in the life of David, God not only moves in the life of Nathan. Nathan, let's look at this as we're equipping leadership during the time. Let's shift because I have a little bit of time. Let's look at some things like solution-driven leadership. Whew, I feel the presence of God. With solution-driven leadership, we see as we're training emerging leaders, we see that with Elijah and Elisha, we see that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. We see that Elijah performed eight miracles. Elisha performed 16. We see the double portion uh, or, or manifestation of increase in the life of Moses and that of Joshua. Moses was able to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he didn't have the grace to take them into the promised land. Joshua had that grace. We see that Elijah was able to operate with eight miracles, Elisha 16. So that means that these emerging leaders, Pastor Max, we've got to equip them to be able to go beyond what we've done we, we, a, a true sign of, uh, Miles Monroe always said this, or Roberts always said this, the true sign of a successful man is his successor. We are placing a demand on them. We're raising the bar and the standard that they're going to do more than what we've ever done. They're going to go further than we've ever gone. We see this also uh, as God begins to move in the life of Samuel, another type of solution-driven leadership. And in this place, not only is Samuel a type of solution-driven leadership, but Samuel is also representing transitional leadership. I'm telling you right now in the nation of South Africa, right now in the nations of the earth, we are now experiencing a need for transitional leadership. We're experiencing a need for solution-driven leadership, not based on a political party, not based on looking to man to be the solution. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, the Bible says, curse is the man that puts his trust in man, the man whose strength and his confidence is in the arm of the flesh. We can't put our trust in any man. The only hope, the only trust, the only strong tower that we can run in, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. We see here with God raising up Samuel as a type of, and he was, the transitional leadership to Eli. Here's this discerning again. God allows Samuel as a young boy to be raised up under the tutelage of Eli, a man that could not even do anything with his own children. He couldn't even do anything with his own sons. His sons were operating in contempt and they were operating in disdain. They were operating with no longer the fear of the Lord, no longer the reverence of the Lord. They were fornicating with the women in the temple. And so look at God. Hannah gives birth to this son and she puts this son, her and Alkanai go to the temple and give their young boy into the hands of a priest that can't do anything with his own children. But God is up to something with this transitional leadership. God is up to something with this solution driven leadership. I'm here to tell you, I'm going to pause right now for a 
moment with Eli and with Samuel and just kind of parallel solution-driven leadership with that of the life of Daniel, Samuel and Daniel, Samuel and Daniel, Samuel and Daniel. We see God also in the life of Daniel raising up solution-driven leadership. I want to parallel those two slides because I want to speak right into the heart of your leadership and those of you pastors and emerging leaders that are watching. With Daniel, you will see, Pastor Winston always tells us this, and when I'm sitting up under the tutelage of my pastor, Dr. Bill Winston, he always says that God is going to download revelation, and he's always taught us that revelation is higher than information. You see, most of the world leaders of today are looking for solutions based on information, based on sense-ruled knowledge. But the book of James makes very clear to us there are different types of wisdom. There is a wisdom that is devilish, that is sensual, but then there is wisdom from above. Where we are having to operate in is not information. That's why it can't be based on just degrees, but revelation. What do you mean, Dr. Bailey, when you say revelation? God will lead us into situations that there is no one that will know the solution, no one that will have the answer. The nations of the earth, the heads of states, the company, the Fortune 500, all the, 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 the highest of intelligentsia, the citadel of the economic and commerce world, God will allow them to be in situations like we're facing today that they're going to have to come to the people of God for the solution. The Bible says that we are a city that's set upon the hill. We are the salt of the earth. Here with Daniel, you know the story. It's now Daniel, he is in a situation where he not only has to operate in solution-driven leadership, my God, my time is getting away from me. He not only is operating in solution-driven leadership, but he has to operate in discerning leadership as well. Here, Daniel with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. Five kings later, Daniel is an older man, and this kind of leadership that we're having to raise up nowadays, Pastor, they've got to be the type of emerging leadership that will not bow, that will not compromise. Now he's in front of Belshazzar and Belshazzar sees this handwriting on the wall and there's no one, no one, no one that can interpret the handwriting on the wall. And what does the queen mother say? She says to Belshazzar, there is a man in the land, in our empire, who serves the holy God. And he's the only one that knows the interpretation to this language. Because this language is not a sense realm language. This language is the heavenly language from above. I'm paraphrasing. So she says, go run and get the man Daniel. So remember the king prior to this had called his soothsayers, his magicians, his fortune tellers, and none of them could interpret. That's exactly what God is doing in the earth today. There are situations that we shall confront that they won't have the solutions. He's going to have to call on the church. Why? Because he wants what's on earth to be mirrored with that which is in heaven. Let my will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Let's pause there as we're paralleling Samuel and Daniel. I hope you're getting blessed with this today. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 18, 18. And let's look at this out of the, um, let's look at this out of the, the Amplified. 
Look at what the Amplified reads this. We're the only people that can pull down and place a, a demand and a withdrawal of that which is in the heavenly realms and pull it down to earth. We're the only ones. Look at this. Number one, the Bible tells us in Matthew 18, verse 18, the Amplified. I assure you most solemnly and say to you, whatever you bind and forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven and whatever you loose and permit and declare unlawful or lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Can you see this heaven and earth quoted here? So God is saying, I'm going to appoint you and deputize you to be able to be the only people that can take what is already declared unlawful or lawful in heaven and pull it down. And someone right now, you need to right now get, you're in your house. You may be in the church. I don't know where you are. You may be in the church building. You may be in your car. I don't know where you are, but let me tell you something. Your solutions, the answers to your prayers, they're circulating around in the heavenly realm. But let me tell you something. You have a home field advantage. What is your home field advantage? Because the Bible tells us that you, the people of God, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Look over in Ephesians 2 verse 6. In Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, and he hath raised us up together. He raised you. He raised you up together with him. Not you raising yourself. He has raised us up together with him and he made us. You didn't make yourself. He deputized you. He authorized you. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. You're created in my image and in my likeness to be like me. He made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we're in a place of ruling. We're in a place of government. The ecclesia, the governing body of Christ. So God says, I'm going to raise you up to reign. Not only that, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2, let me show you your home field of advantage, that you're the only people that have the power to take what is in heaven and bring it to earth. You're the only people that can take the word that is made flesh and proclaim that word and see that which is circulating in the heavenlies Take the word of God. The word of God shall not return void. It is tesavah. The word tesavah, the word, it means to go fetch. It means to execute. It means to guarantee. It is the same word that we use for the word of God. So in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was made. Listen, the word was released. The word went into darkness. It fetched light. And the word, when God said, light be, the word became flesh and manifested itself into light. And light has been ever since. God said, Says, you're the only speaking spirits that I give the authority to go take that which is in the heavenlies and bring it to earth. In 1 Corinthians 6 chapter, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and they were asking him questions. And he says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? You don't understand your position yet. You don't understand that you're seated with him in heavenly places. You don't understand that you judge and you rule. And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Don't you understand 
You can't abdicate your role. This assignment for the solution to nations was never given to kings. God said he never wanted to rule us this way, but we said we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And God says a king you shall have. And that's why we are where we are. But he never designed kings to operate without the priestly alignment. That's the people of God bringing wisdom from above, bringing the blueprint, the template of heaven to earth. We're the only ones that can do that. Now watch how powerful this is. The Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places. This same Daniel, as we're looking at solution-driven leadership with Daniel and that of Samuel, the prince of Persia, as Daniel was making a request from heaven, as Daniel was making a withdrawal from heaven, as he petitioned his request, the Bible says that when you ask me the answer to your prayer, the withdrawal from heaven, your deposit was made from heaven. So look at this. It's coming down from heaven. But the prince of Persia has placed a lid in that portal in the unseen realm in the heavenlies above where Daniel was seated in the natural and his petition that was coming as a deposit from heaven. I hope you can see this. The enemy tried to withhold and place a lid on his withdrawal. But Daniel understood as solution-driven leadership, as God began to reveal to him through revelation, he discerned as he heard the voice of God saying, I've already answered. There's some people that are listening to me right now. I need you to understand your next level realm of finances, the solution to your nation, the solution to COVID-19, the solution to the economic situ situation worldwide, the solution to the school system, the solution to the turmoil in your marriage or with your family, the solution to breakthroughs in different areas of medical science. God says, I've already answered. Pastor Winston always talks about that there's this warehouse in heaven with all the body parts, with all the answered prayers, with all the things waiting for people to make a withdrawal. And I'm here to tell you, many of you, you have made your request. You have petitioned heaven, but you've not seen the deposit. I decree in the name of Jesus, as Daniel was the only one that had the solution to the handwriting on the wall, they had to say, go run and get Daniel, they're going to come to you. Different companies are going to have to come to you and say, go run and get her. Go run and get him. They're the only ones with the solution. They're the only ones that can interpret. They're the only ones with the discernment. I decree in the name of Jesus, the petition that you've made, the prayer that you've asked for, God has already answered. I need you to just be steadfast and unmovable. Don't you give in. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you cast away your confidence. Hebrews 10, 35 says, do not cast away your confidence for it has great recompense and reward for you have need of patience. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always continue to abound in the work of the Lord. The Bible says, do not become weary in doing well for you will reap in due season long as you don't faint. You're right now, I proclaim over your life that the same type of solution-driven leadership that was in the life of Samuel, Samuel was replacing Eli. Eli what is was his tutor, but under the tutelage of the one who trained him, he was about to be the replacement because no longer could Eli have, his discernment was out. 
his revelation. The Bible says the revelation was rare in those days. He was not walking with God. He no longer was able to make a withdrawal from heaven. He was no longer able to take what was in the heavenlies and pull it down to earth. But I proclaim over your life in the name of Jesus that you will possess the anointing and that you will walk in the revelation that you can pull from heaven to earth that which God has declared and decreed and predestined for your nation, for your family, for your finances, for your healing in the name of Jesus. This is a good place to say amen. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. So look at here. The Bible says revelation was rare in those days. It says that Eli's eyes were dim. He couldn't see. He no longer was a seeing prophet. The Bible says his ears were dull of hearing. He could no longer hear the prophetic. He could no longer hear the voice of God. He no longer had revelation because the solutions in the world today are not going to come from information. God needs people of revelations. What am I saying, Max, Pastor Max Holland? We got to raise up these emerging leaders. We got to raise up the millennials. We got to raise up the generation Y. We got to raise up the generation C. We got to raise up those that you have in leadership right now. It's not enough that you have a degree. It's not enough that you've been going to the church for 15 years. It's not enough that you've had this position. God is raising us up. And when you're going to bring the solution on a higher level. You cannot bring the solution of a problem that's on a higher level and you're just trying to bring the solution on the past level. You're still trying to put new wine in old skins. No, we have to elevate where we're seated with him in heavenly places, where we're looking at things from heaven's views, where we're no longer looking at things from the lens of the earth. The Bible says if we're looking at things at carnal, natural lens, the word carnal itself simply means mixture, to mix, try to mix God with the world. God was secular. No, 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 no. You got to raise up the kind of leadership like Daniel. Daniel said, King, he told Belshazzar. Belshazzar said, if you have the solution to this, I will give you this and I will give you that. And, da and Daniel said, no, 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 King. Uh, keep your money. Keep your gifts. I don't need that, but I will still interpret the handwriting. In other words, you don't have anything I need. Because he had already purposed in Daniel 1 and 8 that he would not defile himself with the king's portion. He already said that. I'm not going to do this. And so here we go now. When the enemy tries to come to him by way of the king, I'll do this for you. Daniel was saying, I cannot be bought out. You can't buy me out. You don't have anything on your table that I want. I don't know where I am at my time right now, but let me just go ahead. I don't want you to miss this. Here we go. The Bible reveals very, very clear. That I hope I'm within my time. Okay, guys, you ready for this? The Bible begins to reveal that this revelation that only Daniel had was the solution. We see the same thing happening with Joseph. The king can't interpret the dream. The king doesn't have the solution. So Joseph has the financial plan that was given to him by revelation. It came from heaven. God gave dad, Joseph the plan from heaven to be executed on the earth. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever... Why are we not looking to heaven as our solutions? Why are we looking to political parties? Why are we looking to men? Why are we looking to our solution from an earth realm? The Bible says, which is the word, we get the word carnality, the mixture. The Bible says that a carnal-minded man, a sense 
ruled man of woman cannot discern the things of God. It says neither indeed can it be. It will never be possible. You cannot take a spiritual problem and get a person with a natural understanding and expect them to know the solution. It cannot. It cannot. It cannot be discerned. He said, in other words, Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, why are you wasting your time? Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? Jesus said it that way. Why are you looking to people that don't have the solutions to bring you a heavenly divine blueprint and try to bring it to earth? You're the ones that I've called to bring heaven to earth. You're the ones that I've given revelation. You're the ones that have the mind of Christ. You're the ones that will be solution-driven leadership. I'm going to lead you into situations and I'm going to open up doors and I'm going to bring you to the table and I'm going to put you on boards and I'm going to put you in organizations that in the natural you don't qualify. In the natural you don't have the credentials. But you're not going to be wearing the lens of carnality. You're not going to be wearing the lens of mixture. When it's time for those after the, the, the board meetings are over and they go out and they begin to partake and do the things they're doing, you're going to be like Daniel. I will not defile myself. I will not be caught up in the mixture of light and dark and oil and water. God's going to bring you a situation situations where you're the only ones as you're looking through the lens of discernment you're looking through the lens of heaven spiritually discerning the bible says these things must be spiritually discerned most of the problems that we're facing in the world today these problems cannot be naturally discerned and the solution is not a natural solution the solution is with god and God alone, which he says, that's why I call you to rule the earth. Psalm 115, he's saying the heavens and the heavens of heaven belong to God. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. Therefore, Psalm verse 2, he says, so therefore, in your elevated place, ask of me the nations. Ask of me the solution. Seek heaven. Go to the source. You're already seated with me in heavenly places, Ephesians says. Ask of me the nations and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. God says the solution is with me. The answer is with the Lord. And as we seek him, he reveals the solutions to us that only he and he alone can reveal. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Matthew 6 verse 10. We see what Mary when God began to have an encounter with Mary, she's such a template for us as we parallel Daniel and Samuel, where Samuel had the solution. Samuel was replacing Eli because when God was bringing Israel a king, it would be Samuel that would go to Jesse's house and discern spiritually and discern spiritually and discern spiritually because he had spiritual lens, not carnal lens. And so Jesse brings out all these big husky boys and he says, no, 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 no. Is there not another? I'm discerning my leadership discernment. The grace of solution driven leadership says this is not it. And then God leads him to David. Had that been Eli or his boys, they were too carnal, too fleshly. What am I saying? Our emerging leaders that we're raising up, pastors, they can't be flesh rule with mixture, mixing the world with God, mixing, mixing sin with God, 
mixing that which is contaminated with God, they must be set apart. They must operate in discernment and revelation. So Samuel, as he was replacing Eli, he had that discerning leadership. He had that grace as a solution-driven, carrying solution-driven leadership because he provided what was needed for many years ahead. What am I saying? The kind of leadership we're raising up, we must equip them for the things that are going to be ahead. We have some incredible days in front of us. Though gross darkness will be upon the earth, where sin abound, grace does much more grim abound. We're raising up leadership that can carry the glory of the Lord with solutions like Daniel did, like Joseph did, like Moses did. Are you hearing me? And I'm here to tell you, they're sitting right there in your congregation. And you're sitting right there on the other side of this camera. You've been called. You've been called. You've been chosen. If we were still meeting in the facilities and I was there, I'd be making an altar call right now. And I would say, those of you under the sound of my voice and are willing to say to God, as God did in the life of Isaiah, say not I'm a youth. Say not that I'm young. I separated you before you were in your mother's womb to be a prophet to the nations, to be a solution to the nations. I would say to you who are willing to say to God, as Isaiah said to God, when God asks this question, which he's asking you today as we're raising up leadership, the kind of leadership that can bring heaven to earth, the kind of leadership that understand that we take the word, the tasavah, we release it and it goes and it fetches and it executes on earth. It manifests on earth that which pleases the father. We raise up that type of leadership. And I'm asking you today, are you willing to say to God as we've entered a new season and a new year, I don't want to put new wine in old skins. I don't want to be like the five foolish virgins. I want to be the five wise virgins that keep the oil trimmed in my lamp. Do a new thing in me, Father. The same Isaiah says, shall it not spring forth? Do a new thing in your leadership. You're transitioning leadership. You're raising up discerning leadership. You're raising up solution-driven leadership. You're raising up a new breed without greed. How many of you are willing to allow the voice of God to, to move inside of you? How many of you are willing to walk into the type of discernment and the sensitivity that you can hear the voice of God? And then when God, when Isaiah, when he had an encounter in the temple, his heart responded and said, Here am I, Lord. Use me. Send me. My appeal to you today as I close, are you willing to say to him, in this hour where leadership is needed like never before, the nations are calling on us. The earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Are you willing to say, Father, use me in a way that you've never used me before? I cannot stay where I am. I cannot operate in this system with the last revelation and the last wisdom of the last season to a new thing inside of here are my Lord. Use me. If I'm speaking to you today and you're willing to do that, you may be in your home, get down on your knees. You may be in a congregation. You may, I don't know when you're watching this. It is even not so much the posture of your knees, but the bowing of your heart. 
that you're willing to say my lips won't be far from you and 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 my heart my heart be far from you and my lips say something different but i want my lips and my heart to say the same thing use me lord raise me up as your leader and give me a heart to do your will because the lord has need of thee i trust that this word has been a tremendous blessing to you there is nobody else in this hour that can bring the solutions of heaven to earth but the people of God. And the same God that called on Daniel and the same God that called on Samuel and the same God that called on Joseph and the sacrifices that they were willing to make to be set apart. May your heart echo the same commitment because we may not have equal gifts, but we can have equal commitment. May your heart be willing to commit to whatever the Father is mandating of you in this hour as we make a withdrawal from heaven and bring the counsel and the wisdom of heaven that's circulating like it was in the day of Daniel, circulating in the heavenlies, that we will be like Mary who would say, okay, I understand the counsel of heaven now. I see that God is calling me. She said, how can this thing be? And after the wisdom and the counsel of heaven revealed it to her by revelation, she said, be it unto me according to your will. And then the word became flesh in her belly. And that's the word of faith that we preach. We call those things on this wise. The word of faith speaketh on this wise. We call those things that be not as they were. This is the word of faith that we preach as the word has become flesh. Because Mary allowed the counsel and the wisdom of heaven to be made manifest in the earth. Whoo, God bless you, Pastor Maxwell. I believe that there are some people in your congregation and other pastors that are watching and people that are watching is saying, I feel the presence of God through Dr. Bailey. God is calling me. I can't remain the same. And there's a transition. There's a shifting. There's a higher level. You, you got to begin to operate and execute and legislate and pray and, and, and execute the solutions and the strategies of heaven from a higher position. Remember, you're seated with him in heavenly places. God bless you. I pray for you. I seal everything that I prayed. I seal everything that I proclaimed with the word of God. Holy Spirit, seal this word in them. Holy Spirit, I decree in the name of Jesus. You and the word agree. I decree in the name of Jesus that there shall be a manifestation and that there shall be in the name of Jesus those that will consecrate and commit themselves and say, Lord, make us ready for the times. Equip our leadership for the times. Use us wherever you need us, almighty God. Let us be meet for the master's use because we are all that you have. There is no plan B. We are your city set upon the hill. You have this treasure in other vessels and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are your workmanship, oh God, and we're the ones that you call to bring heaven to earth. God bless you and I can't wait to get back to South Africa. I miss South Africa so much. I miss the congregation. I miss you all. I love you so much. And if I could just, just leap off this screen and give you a big old hug. Hmm, I'm trying to think of which South African dish that I would want first. 
but more than anything, I love you, Pastor Max. I love you, Sister Zena. The congregation, my love to you. And I decree it won't be long before we're together again on one accord. Go walk out the fullness of God as you manifest.